0: Good morning, church. It's good to see you and be with you uh, this morning. We are taking a, a break uh, from just a one-week break from our, uh, our series through the Gospel of Luke uh, to talk about missions and to have a Mission Sunday. We wanna uh, keep the mission uh, of God and, and the mission he's called us to in the world uh, on our minds. And so it's right to stop and to think about uh, these things periodically uh, and just, just you know, up front, you know, I think a lot of times, uh, you know, uh, sermons on missions, sermons on evangelism can be uh, very much a guilt trip, you know? <laughs> it can be like, uh, you can leave feeling really down and bad and convicted, um, and, and, you know, I, of course, man, when God convicts us and leads us to repentance, that's always good, and, and if he does that, great. Uh, but I just want to be up front with you. Can we just, can we be honest here today? Uh, and just say, I don't want this to be a guilt trip. I'm not, I'm not, that's not my intention. Uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. Um, I, I don't think guilt is, is really a, a very good motivator uh, anyway. Uh, and so I, I, I don't want that for, for us. Today, But I, but I, I wonder why, why we often feel so much guilt around evangelism, so much guilt around missions. Uh, and I think the reason why we struggle with it, or I think the reason why we feel guilt is because we struggle with it, right? We, we struggle with evangelism. We struggle with uh, missions. Are we doing enough? Are we doing what we should be? Uh, and and I, I wonder if the reason why we, we struggle uh, is because we are living the wrong story. I wonder if the reason why we struggle is is because we're living uh, the wrong story. See if you recognize uh, this story. Okay, see if you can you can find something in here. Uh, man, I'm, I'm a good kid. I'm, I'm a hard worker. I'm smart, or at least I have a lot of potential. Uh, I, I get a good education. You know, I get a good, well-paying, respectable job. I meet a spouse. We buy a house. You know, we have a kid. I get a promotion. Move to a bigger house. And I I we have a, another kid or two. Get another promotion. Get a get a minivan. Yes. <laughs> Even a Honda Odyssey, the Cadillac of minivans. <laughs> I provide a good life for our kids. We live. We have a happy family. Our kids grow. We, we're able to launch them out into the world. We enjoy meaningful f- friendships at church and in our hobbies. You know, as, as our kids grow, they have kids and we, we have grandkids. We're able to, to enjoy them and help them as needed. And we, you know, we die with plenty of money in a nursing home at a good old age, surrounded by our family who loves us. Right now, that's a story. And maybe, maybe that's not your specific story. Um, but maybe there's a similar one for your life. Maybe, maybe you make a detour, a career, and really focus on kind of career and achievement, and those are you have some goals there. Maybe, I mean, you don't want to get married. You said you want to, you want to craft a, a fulfilling single life. Maybe you want to travel and see the world, and that would be the thing. Maybe you, you're like, I don't have anything like that. I just want to be free to make my own decisions. I just want to get, get out of the house and be free and, and you know, be able to do whatever I want. And, and, and the question is, uh, where, what made you think that was the kind of life you should pursue? I, I think we, we all are living out a story, a plan, a vision for our life, whether conscious or not. Right? We have expectations about what kind, where we'd like to be, what we'd like to do, what situation we would like to be in. And so it's worth asking, I think, what, what is that story? Right? What are my expectations about life and how it should go? And, and, and where did I get that? Why do I think that this is how it should go versus another story? And the, but let me tell you what's, what's, what's wrong, what's off with this. Um, not that any of these things are wrong in themselves. They're not. Um, but, but I think often we are living the wrong story. Right? We live the wrong story. And you're like, well, how can I live? What do you, you don't know me, Preacher. And none of you are actually combative like that. It's just in my mind. I just think you know, it makes a good conversation if you if you uh, give me some some pushback. Uh, No, like you, I don't know your story. I don't know your individual life, of course, um, most of you. But but uh, I think if, and here's how I know if you're living the wrong story. um, I think if you are the center of your story, that's the problem. Right, if you are the center of your story, then that's a problem. Some of you, maybe something devastating has happened to you in your life and, and it's knocked off all of your plan and your vision for life. And you, and you're, you're, you think, I, there's no way to recover it. I'm hopeless now. Right? That's still you at the center of your story. And if you're the center, that, that's a problem. And I, I, I think we often are, are living our story, consciously or not, and, and we, we are trying to add God to that story. We, we treat God like a subscription service or like a gym membership or, or like a, a personal assistant. right? He, he's here to improve my life, which is hilarious and ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, it's like asking Elon Musk to be your personal assistant. <laughs> Right, it's, that's actually less ridiculous than asking the one who's holding Jupiter in orbit to be your personal assistant. Listen, there is something going on. There is a great story happening in the world, in history. There is a great adventure if we only have eyes to see it. It's not about us. <laughs> it's not about us, but we are invited into it. We are invited into what I think is the greatest story. And so two questions today, what is the greatest story? What is the greatest story and what is our role in it? What is the greatest story, what is our role in it? Let's take a moment to pray together and we'll, we'll, we'll dive in. I wanna give you a moment just in your chair. Let, let's start uh, actually just by praying for the cooks, Josh and Joanna, who we just saw. They shared a couple prayer points. Um, just pray, pray for them. Pray that God would be with them and God would use them uh, in Thailand. Would you also take a moment just to pray for yourself uh, that God would open your heart to what he has to say to you this morning? Lastly, would you pray for me that I would be faithful to God's word and that I would be helpful to you. Father, we come today in our in our weakness, in our inadequacy, in our distractedness, in our busyness. Um, You know us. You know our weakness. Uh, and again, we need you. We need your strength. We need your voice. We need your power. Would you come? Would you speak? Lord, would you break through uh, the, the barriers in our hearts to, to truly hearing you? We, we don't even know what those are, probably. Would you break through them, though, and would you speak in a way that we can't deny we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. First, what is the greatest story? What is the greatest story? This story has four movements, uh, we'll, we'll call it, uh, and, and we'll walk through each of them in, in order. The first is creation. The first is creation. The very first, first verse of the Bible, uh, in Genesis 1.1, says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God made everything, right? A personal God, uh, a personal triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a separate from creation, uh, distinct from creation, made everything and everyone, which means it all belongs to him, right? He is the one uh, who, who made and created and started this all. Uh, he, he made everything, and he especially made uh, man. He made us. He made man uh, specifically in his image. He made us to be like him in some ways uh, and to, to represent him on the earth, right? This is what he, he uh, made man to do, to be his representative, to show uh, and, and, and reign and rule and live in the world in such a way that honors him and reflects him. And this leads uh, to the second movement, that's creation, God made everything. The second movement is the fall. Fall, very very soon into the Bible. And this is, the Bible is where we get this story, by the way, this story is happening all around, it's happening through history, and God has revealed it to us. He's revealed to us this story. He's given us, uh, this is, he's given us sentences, and words, and ideas, propositional truth that we can know what's happening. He made it all, and, and then very soon, into the Bible, in Genesis 3, uh, we see the, the fall. Adam and Eve, our first parents, disobeyed God's one command, not to eat from the tree. And in that disobedience, they brought destruction onto uh, all of creation, and onto all of their posterity. Right? We are all now born into sin. We all have natures that are inclined to sin. And and God came when God came to Adam and Eve and as He was giving them the punishment for their rebellion, right? As He was as he was saying, You're gonna, you know, you're gonna get bred by the sweat of your brow, it's gonna be hard now to work the ground, there's gonna be pain in childbirth. He's he's sharing these the punishments with Adam and Eve. He he also, and there's in there, there's in there a promise, right? Genesis 3:15, there's a promise in there that there will come one from the seed of the woman. There's gonna there's gonna come a human, right, from Eve, sometime that would crushed the head of the serpent. There was a promise in there of deliverance. As the story continues, uh, sin continues to increase in the world. you, You see the flood, you see sin increase to the point where God has to wipe everyone out besides Noah and his family. In the flood, you see sin increase to, to the Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, where man in his pride is, gathers together and is building a tower to the heavens. And God says, it's not gonna work. And scrambles their languages, scatters people over the face of the earth. This is the, the, the Genesis of the nations. right? the start of the nations, were scattered at Babel. And then in, in chapter 12 of Genesis, God calls a man named Abram. And seemingly out of the blue, he, he, he speaks to Abram. says, Abram, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you a great nation. And, and he says, in you, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. I'm not just blessing you for yourself. I'm blessing you so that I can bless the nations through you. And Abram becomes Abraham, has Isaac, Jacob, uh, who is Israel, right? Who is the father of the, the nation of Israel. And Israel is God's chosen people in the Old Testament. And they, they, uh, they you know, through the patriarch's time, then they went to, into Egypt under Joseph. Joseph saved them from famine. They grew as a, to be a great nation under Egypt and they were enslaved, uh, right? And, and, and as Israel grew, uh, they were they were chosen. They were special, God's chosen people, all uh, right? But their election wasn't exclusive. I think sometimes we we think of it that way. It's like God chose them. He chose to save them and not the rest of the nation. No, no, no. He they were specifically chosen, but they were chosen as to be a light to the nations. Right? They were to be a kingdom of priests. They were to be a, a nation that showed the rule and reign of God in a way that would draw the rest of the world, the rest of the nations, into them, into uh, to see the goodness of God. But as the Old Testament goes on, right? And as they, uh, it, 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 God delivers Israel from Egypt, as they go into the wilderness wandering period, as they enter the promised land, as the kingdom uh, is, is established under, uh, under Saul and under David, right, what you see over and over and over, if you read the Old Testament, it's just it's the, the constant refrain, is that, that Romans 3.23 is really true. That for all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. Right, as much as the people, as Israel, uh, the Israelites say, we will love the Lord, we will always serve him, we will never serve other gods, we will love him and follow him with all of our hearts, what, what happens? They continually rebel, they continually go back to idols. And I think in them we see a mirror of ourselves, don't we? It's not just them who have sinned. It's all of us who have sinned. It's all of us who have gone after other things. And so God punishes his people. Right after so many years of rebellion, after uh, you know generations upon generations of rebelling and of idolatry, um, all the punishments that God promised come down upon His people, and He punishes them, and He sends them into exile. They are routed by their enemies, um, and, and but but. Uh, if you read the prophets, right? Read the prophets after the Israel has gone into exile, um, and, and and man, the prophets are not shy to say why, tell Israel why they're there. Right? You've forsaken the Lord. They they're strong uh, in their call to to Israel, calling out their sin. But they also there's always a tinge of hope. Right? There's always a promise in, in there, in, even in, in the condemnation, in, even in the judgment. There's, a, there's a, a seed of hope. There's coming a day when God will visit his people again. There's coming a day when I will put a new spirit in you, I will cause you to obey my rules, my commands. There, there is a king coming, a true king in the line of David, who's going to rule and reign over God's people forever. which leads us to the next movement in the story. There's creation, there's fall, and there's redemption. And the gospels tell us this story, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They tell us the story of Jesus and his life. Jesus is born in Israel. He's of the tribe of Judah. He's born to Mary and Joseph. Um, uh, Mary is a virgin when he is born so he's a special uh, child and, and, and Jesus is the snake crusher that was promised in Genesis he is the, the son of Abraham he is the heir of David's throne the one, uh, the promised Messiah the suffering servant of Isaiah he's the one who is, was promised to come and he is the perfect image of God right? as, as man was created to perfectly represent God on earth Jesus fulfilled that completely he showed us who God is. He, he was God. He is God. He fulfilled humanity's purpose. He also fulfilled Israel's purpose. Israel was to be a holy people, a holy nation, a light a light to the nations. And Jesus was holy. He was sinless. He was perfect. He fulfilled Israel's creative purpose. And, and at the center of the story, right the greatest story, this is the, the climax. This is the uh, This is it. Uh, the, the son of God, Jesus, died. Right? As Romans 5, 8 says, while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Rarely will someone die for a just person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might even dare to die, but God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right? He died for our sin. He died in our place, the punishment that we should have received, humanity should have received, it was put on to Jesus and he went to the grave. He took it all. And then he rose from the dead three days later. And he got up from death. He saw his friends and then he ascended to the sky. And before he left, he told them several things. He told them, Matthew 28, 18, all authority, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey and observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. He told them, Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where they were in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right, you're going to go everywhere. Is it, you see what he's saying? He's saying the message. He's opening the doors. Right, he's opening the doors to the nations. This is going to go everywhere. You guys have to tell everybody. Uh, Matthew 24:14. He says, "This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed to all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come." Right. This is this is what Jesus said. This is what he taught, it's what he told his disciples before he ascended when he promised to come back, which leads us to lastly to new creation, creation, fall, redemption. A new creation. John sees the future, right? In Revelation, the last book of the Bible, uh, we, we see, we, it's like a time machine. We get to get into a time machine and go see what the future's like. And, and Jesus shows John in a vision what, this is, what it's gonna be. He sees into the future. And so what do we see in the future? We see that Jesus comes and he makes all things right. Revelation 21, three, Right? Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity. He will live with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. Right? Jesus will come. He'll make everything new. This is, this is the promise And it's interesting, if you you look, uh, what what does it look like? Who's there? Who's there in the new Jerusalem when when God's dwelling is with man, when he's with us, when he he makes all things right? In Revelation 7, 9, you see this. After this, I looked. John's telling, he's, he's showing us what he sees. I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Look at that. Every nation, tribe, people, and language. It just as at Babel the nations were scattered, right? In in the New Jerusalem, the nations will be gathered together. It gathered together, one people, God's people from every nation, worshiping him gathered to praise the one who has redeemed them. And this is the great story. Creation, fall, redemption, new creation. This is what God is doing in the world. It's what he's revealed to us in history. It's what he's revealed to us in, in the scriptures. Uh, and this is, this, is, this is what's going on. This is the, the most fundamental uh, you know, story of reality. This is what's happening And so we might ask, okay, well, okay, if that's the greatest story, what's our role in it? What's our role in it? And for that, I'd like to go to to 2 Corinthians 5, which we read uh, at the beginning uh, of the the message. Uh, And and Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. If you're in Christ, you have a new identity. The old you is dead, the old you is gone, now you live in Christ, this is the new you. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Look, it's not just that God is reconciling the world to himself, that is the greatest story. He's reconciling the world to himself, right? He's reconciled us. It's not just that you get forgiven though It's not just that you get justified and brought in to to be with the Lord. It's not just that you don't have to fear punishment anymore. Though all that's true. But it's also, look what it says. He's reconciled us to himself and has given us, what? The ministry of reconciliation. Let's go together. Verse 19, that is, he's gonna explain more. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Right, and isn't that great news? Right? like that, that, This is, this is the, the, the greatest story. God's reconciling the world of himself. Have you heard? He's forgiving sins. He's not counting sins against people. You know you can be forgiven. And he has committed to us, listen, he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We've been given a ministry of reconciliation. We've been given a message, a message to proclaim of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore, We are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. And I think this is our role. As simply as I can say it, I think this is our role. We are ambassadors. We're ambassadors for Christ. By God making his appeal through us. God wants to reconcile the world to himself. He is reconciling the world to himself. He will reconcile the world to himself. And the way he will do it is through us. Lord, that wasn't a very good plan, <laughs> right? But it's his plan. He, wants, he, he invites us into this. We are ambassadors. How often do we think of ourselves this way? Oh, what do you do? I'm an ambassador. Oh, yeah? What do, what do you mean? Oh, I work at the Ministry of Reconciliation. Really? Yeah, God, God's reconciling the world to himself. You want to hear more about that? This is who we are, We are ambassadors with a message, with a ministry. And look at what Paul says here in the the last, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And I would just plead with you today. If you don't, if you, if you, this story, you're like, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if it's really true. Uh, Man, it is true and you can be reconciled to God. Won't you be? Don't you know you can be forgiven of all your sins? The guilt, the shame that you carry, it can be taken away from you. It really can be. Like, haven't we, like, the brothers and sisters, haven't we been set free? Isn't it, isn't it unbelievable? Is it not fair. But, it, but His grace is that good. You can be reconciled to God. Won't you be? We plead with you. And listen, it would be a, a, a very arrogant thing for me to say this on my own authority. <laughs> I can't say it on my own authority, but you know, I can say it on, the, on Christ's behalf, on the authority of Jesus Christ himself, be reconciled to God. Won't you turn to him? Like He made the one, look at the verse, he made the one who did not know sin, that's Jesus, he never sinned, the perfect one, to be sin for us. He took all of our sin on himself, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. You can stand before God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, Righteous in Christ, forgiven, free. <laughs> We're ambassadors, and you might say, "Okay, okay, Lawson, that's great sounding, but what does actually? How, what do I actually do, though? You know, give me something more, a little more practical." Okay, I'll, I'll try. Uh, Romans, uh, Romans ten. Okay, so so Paul. Um, was, was perhaps the, the greatest ambassador, the greatest example of an ambassador uh, in, in the scriptures that we have. Um, he was the, the greatest missionary, the most effective missionary that we, we know of. Uh, and, and, and so maybe we can get in his, his mind a little bit and see how did he think this works. I, I think he, in this, in this passage in Romans 10, I think he shows, here's how, here's how it works for him, right? Here's how he thinks about it. Um, in Romans 10, uh, on the screen, you'll see it. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? How can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I think we see here, and if you, can, if you kind of go in, in backwards order, uh, you, you, can, you can see Paul's thinking and, and his, his structure, how he thinks about this working, how he thinks about the role, what is the role of an ambassador, and how, do, how does the process work? Um, and, and the first one, you, again, you're kind of going backwards, but the first one is that, that uh, people are sent, right? God sends his people. Um, and and, and, you know, and seen, we already saw this, didn't we, in Matthew 28? God sends his people, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And by the way, if you think, well, that was just the original disciples, that's not also to us. Uh, it, it actually is, because the, those disciples were supposed to teach the disciples they made to obey everything that Jesus commanded of which go make disciples was one of those commands, right? So this is one of those that like carries over. It's not just to them, it's to every disciple. Like, we're all called to go make disciples of all nations. And so God sends his people. Next, uh, those people preach, right? Those people preach. Um, and, and this word, it, it doesn't just mean what I'm doing here, like doing a sermon, uh, preaching a sermon. Uh, it, 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 this is the word herald. Right in, in in you know pre-literate times, uh, a herald was someone who would go into the city streets and would share news of something. It's how people got their news, right? Hey, you, hey ev- everyone, listen. This is this this is what happened, right? So this was not just uh, you know from a pulpit, not just an official uh, you know pastor preaching. No, no, this is this is street level. This is heralding, just telling people what happened, right? Preach, uh, and, and those who are sent, herald. They tell this story. They tell the good news. A third, then people hear, right? How can they hear without a preacher? If someone preaches, then they hear. Um, now, I, I don't think this just means you know, to be exposed to the sound waves. You know, you can, yeah, everyone knows you can hear something and not actually hear it, right? In order to believe, you have to hear in a way that you understand, Right, you have to hear, and, and again, as I've said, we we have truth to share. We have a, a, a historical facts to share. We have that God has entered history. He has risen from the dead. These are these are uh, historically verifiable facts that we can share with others to say, "Hey, you have to think about this." Right, this is the message. You can be reconciled to God. This is the way He's made for us to do it. And so you have to. You have to. Uh, people have to hear. And Paul talks about, uh, often about persuading people, right? He, we have a message to share. And some who hear then, next, will believe. Some who hear will believe. Uh, and not, not all of them, right? Not all will believe, and we know that. We should expect that. But some will. Some will hear this message, and they'll go, yes, that's right. I need that. And they'll, they'll, they'll believe, they'll trust and Jesus, they'll, they'll, they'll hear this story and go, I think that's true. I wanna follow him. And those who believe then will call. Are they call on him who they not believe? They'll, they'll call. Of course they will. God, have mercy on me. Please help me. I trust you. I need you, right? They'll call on the name of the Lord. Save me. And then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, number six, will be saved. Right? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then, of course, if you're saved, then you're sent, right? So it, it circles around again. Now, I, I think if we, if we look at this and we, we see this is pretty, that's pretty straightforward. That's pretty clear, right? Um, and, and we might ask, well, okay, uh, man, are, are people, are we seeing people get saved? Are we seeing people get saved? Uh, and the answer is Yes. We're, we're gonna go baptize almost 20 people today at the park after the service. Hope you'll come, to, come and join us for that. But the question is, I think, I think to, to dig in more and, and praise God for that. And what, a, what an amazing miracle that he saves. He's, he's, he is reconciling the world. He's reconciling people to himself. But I think we can ask further is, is are we seeing as many people as we should be saved? And you know, I said, well, awesome. we can't control that. And I, I agree, we can't. Uh, but but I, I can't help but wonder if, if our church family, if just us here, just a small Redeemer Church, Tomball, Texas, like we're, we're not great, we're not a big church, we're not a, we're not a mighty church, all right? But if, if just us, if we were just faithful ambassadors, as God has called us to be, would, would, if, if all of us, if we, were, we partnered together, we were all doing this, would we see more people meet Jesus? I think so right i think we would and I, don't we want to <laughs> man don't we want to see people come in don't we want people to know and so it might be worth asking okay well if you look at this this cycle wh- where's the where's the breakdown right, where's the breakdown if these things are, are happening and you know you can think well uh you know is 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 has, has everyone calling on the name of the Lord saved? Yes. <laughs> everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 100%. That's not a breakdown. Uh, will, will those who, who believe, uh, will they, are they calling on the Lord? Yes. <laughs> right? Again, if you believe, you will call on the name of the Lord. Now, the, will those who hear believe? Some of them. right? We already said, not, not everyone. Um, and so maybe that's said, I And mean, we might say, well, may, maybe we're, we're just proclaiming the gospel like crazy and people are just hearing it and not, not believing. I don't think that's it though, right? Is God, is, go to the, back to the top, is God still sending his people, right? Is God, has God sent us? Yes, as clearly as he possibly he could. Like try to write a verse that's more clear to send us than Matthew 28, the Great Commission, right? There, there's not one. He, he still sends his people. And so, and you can see where I'm going. I think the breakdown is, is in the preaching. It's in the heralding. I think for some reason, and I'm, I'm not saying y'all, I'm saying us, ah, me too. For some reason, we're, we're just, we're scared. We don't open our mouths. We're distracted. We're, I don't know what it is, but, but we, we're not proclaiming. But how will they believe? Right? How, how will they, again, if you go through the, the cycle, how will they be saved if no one preaches, if no one heralds? No one tells them. How will they be saved? We have to open our mouths and God will use us. God will use us. Um, Lee Curry uh, told me that uh, two weeks ago, he was at Barbarossa over on 2920 and was sitting there studying and a guy sat down across from him and started, uh, started talking to him, and he, he said it was kinda, he, he was a little irritated, he said, and so, but he's like, okay, I, gotta, I guess I gotta take out my earphone, you know, I gotta talk to him, and started talking to this guy, and, and the, the guy somehow came up, the guy was like, yeah, I'm a really extroverted person, I just love to meet people and talk to people, and uh, meet, you know, meet new people, and Lee said, well, do you know why you're like that? And the guy said, well, no, and Lee said, well, I do. I was like, what? He said, Cause God made you that way. Like what? And, he, and then Lee told him the story. Right, he just told him the story. And then he said, "Do you want that? Do you want to do you want to know Jesus?" And the guy was like, "Yeah, I would love to know Jesus." And they prayed right there in the coffee shop. And then he left. Right, <laughs> like God is—he's reconciling people to Himself, and all we have to do is open our mouths. Right, He'll use us. I, I listened to. A podcast this week, very encouraging podcast uh, about Molly Worthen, who's a historian. Uh, she teaches at UNC uh, Chapel Hill. Uh, she she's uh, she writes for the New York Times and the New Yorker. She's a uh, historian of of uh, North American religion, and she's been uh, she's in her career throughout her career she's been very critical, especially of evangelical uh, Christianity. Uh, but but through, uh, through writing a story, she was writing a story about, uh, about a, a pastor, uh, about a church. And, uh, and she, kinda, she was interviewing the pastor, kind of got to know him. And he, he you know, was asking her questions and got to know her. And uh, they kind of started having a dialogue. Uh, and, and she ended up actually, she's a historian, but she was like, I just had never really given it. I'd never really looked at the resurrection from a historical point of view and said, is it, did it really happen from, you know, historically uh, from, from using her training? And so she started researching the, the resurrection and through all that and through the relationship with, with this pastor, uh, she, she came to, I, I, I think Jesus actually did rise from the dead. I think this is true. I, I'm gonna follow him. And so she's, she has uh, become a Christian uh, just in the last year. And so, like God is doing this in the world, you see. He's reconciling people to himself. This is what he's doing. And he invites us into this ministry. We are ambassadors. We have a message. We have a ministry. And you might ask me, okay, Lawson, so what, I get it, you know, I, I, I wanna live in that story. I wanna be an ambassador. But what about me? Like, what about my specific role? Um, and... and you know the answer. I think to what your specific role is is I don't know, <laughs> right? I don't know. I'm not God, um, but but God knows, right? And as you press into to Him, and as you uh, as you pray, and as you listen to the Holy Spirit, I believe if you ask that question to Him, "What's my role in, in this story where you're reconciling the world to yourself?" I think He will make that clear to you. I think he will answer that, and he will lead you. Right? Maybe, maybe you're you're you know a, a, a student age. Maybe you're you know similar to Lee. You're you're a student age person, and uh, maybe it is coffee shops and like like some, I could ask. I, I'm not going to, but I could ask. Some of you could raise your hands and say, "I'm here because Lee Curry prayed for me in HEB and then invited me to church." <laughs> right? Uh, that, that's great. He's he. That's his, That's what he's trying to play his role. Uh, I think of Maggie, a teacher high school teacher in our, in our church who, man, she loves her students and she prays for them and she tells them the truth. And if you ask her, how's school going? She's not gonna answer, the, she's not gonna talk about the academics. She's gonna talk about the, the, the people, the, the students who she's been talking to and has been able to love and be able to help through when their parents got a divorce and all these different things. She's, she loves them and she shares the truth with them. Or she's playing her role. God's reconciling students to himself in those classrooms, I think of, of Tommy and Melissa Najar jar here at the church members uh, who do such a good job of just being intentional with relationships. They, they'll just have, they have, they have friends who, who aren't believers and they'll have them, you know, over for the weekend. They'll have them stay at their home. And I know that because Tommy texts me. He's like, hey, I'm having, we're having so-and-so over. Just please pray. They don't know the Lord. I would just, just help. I, we just want to love them well and show them the love of Christ. I'm like, praise God, man. That's so wonderful. Like, what are they doing? They're just, they're the busy family, but they're just, they're, Playing their role, um, I, I think of stay-at-home moms. You know, like, what's your role? How do you like? You're like, what do you want me to pack up and go move to Saudi Arabia? Like, I, I can't do that. You know, uh, but but listen, uh, you're, if you're a stay-at-home mom, you have one, two, three, four, however many precious souls. Right in your care, those at the most vulnerable, at the most uh, you know formative time of their lives. Who look to you for everything. If you're their primary caregiver, they look to you for everything. What what more important place to be an ambassador is there than there? Right, that that that's where you are. That's your role. I think of my grandparents, who who you know started a, a Bible study, lead a Bible study at their retirement home, right? It's just wonderful, isn't it? Like God's reconciling the world himself. Here's where we are. Let's do a Bible study. Okay, great. Just trying to play your role. Well, Jessica uh, Gann, who, uh, you know, she, she was just she a single uh, woman here, a young, single lady at, at the church um, who heard God's call to Japan. And she, she went and she saw and she met the people and she, she learned there's 123 million people here and almost no Christians. She said, I gotta go. So she backed up, and she left her family, and she 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 went. She's 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 been there several years. She she's just been back for a short time to raise support. She's raised support. She, two weeks. She's about to leave and go back to Japan. She, she made her life there. The cooks. The video we saw uh, you know, at the beginning of the sermon. They they're just they were an ordinary family here at Redeemer. They have four young kids. You know, they, Josh played electric guitar in the band some. Uh, they, were, they served in the, with the students. Like, they were just a great Redeemer family. And they heard the call of God to East Asia, and they said, I gotta go. And they packed up, and they left. Right, and, and that should be, by, I, just, I think I should say, that should be some of you. Right, some of us should go overseas. The need is so great. And I wonder, and I think it's worth asking for us, uh, when when you're making decisions about your life and your future, and and again, you you might have this some a story in your head about how you think it should go, and I think we just we sometimes just follow that script unthinkingly, and so I, I think it's worth asking, man, when you make decisions, is your yes on the table to the Lord? Like, would you go if he told you to? Shouldn't it be? Shouldn't, we ha- shouldn't our yes be on the table? He's the Lord. <laughs> it is our yes on the table? And I think some of us should go. And, and we want to help you with that. We want to train you. We want to pray with you and equip you and send you uh, well and support you. But, but regardless, regardless of whether you should go or stay or what your, your specific role is, um, it's, isn't it clear that we all should be faithful here and now? We're all called. We we all are called to your specific where you are, right? In your family, in your workplace, in your community, in your neighborhood, uh, where, in your gym, like wherever you are, that's where you are called. Now, I think there's there's a there's a lie that we we can believe that's like, man, if I was if I went overseas, then I would be like a really good disciple maker. <laughs> I'd be like so bold in evangelism. It'd be awesome. Uh, but I can't talk to my coworker. That'd be awkward, you know? No, <laughs> right? If we're not being obedient now, what makes us think we will be obedient later? Oh, they, they, no, there's not, a, the, like don't look to another phase and another time. Look to now. We're all called to be faithful. We're all ambassadors of Christ. And whatever your role, right, whatever God calls you to, Remember the promise at the end of Matthew. At the end of Matthew 28, the Great Commission, when he says, go make disciples, baptize them, he says, remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. This is, this is the joy of missions. This is the joy of evangelism. This is the joy of obedience. Because when you, when you go, when you obey this command, go make disciples, you, you never go alone. Right? He is with you. He will never leave you. He will empower you. And can't you, can't you think about Christians? When, you, when you've been faithful to talk to someone about Jesus, you're like, I gotta say it, and, I, and you do. Isn't God faithful? Haven't, hasn't he met you there? Haven't you gone, that was amazing. Okay, how did I think of that verse at that moment? Because <laughs> God was with you, right? He, 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 he's with us, and, and, and he, he will use us. He wants to use us. He invites us into the greatest story that's ever been told. The story of the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this story. I um, thank you that you are reconciling the world to yourself. You're reconciling sinners like us, people who do not deserve it. And you have, you have made us right with God. Jesus, through your death, you have uh, paid our price. You've given us your righteousness. Thank you for the mission that we have. Thank you for making us ambassadors. Lord, we need help. We want to be faithful. We wanna open our mouths. We need you. Lord, for every person in here who who doesn't, uh, doesn't know you, who doesn't live in this story, who hasn't turned from their sin, who hasn't turned from their own story and is committed to living their, sto- their own story to the exclusion of you? Would you break in? <laughs> would you pour your love into their hearts by your Holy Spirit? Would they see the beauty of Christ? And would you draw them to yourself? Lord, we pray for our coworkers, our neighbors, our family members who don't know you, who are hopeless, who are, who are lost who are blind, who are walking around trying to satisfy themselves in this world and they don't know where the living water is. Would you have mercy? Would you save? Lord, we pray for the nations. We pray for the billions of people who walk in darkness, who are born and live and get old and die without hearing your gospel, Lord. Lord, Would you raise up your people? Would you send labors into your harvest? Would you send us? Would you send your children from every continent to to the darkness to shine your light there? Lord, we are so small. (laughs) Uh, What can we contribute? But we trust you. We need you. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.